Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists who are working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Interviews are conducted with individuals who are doing clinical work as well as leading attachment theory researchers. Your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, will introduce you to Sara Salo, who will discuss the use of TheraPlay with pregnant women. Sara Salo, PhD, is the executive director of the Finnish TheraPlay Association in Helsinki, Finland. She is a clinical psychologist, licensed psychotherapist, and a TheraPlay trainer slash supervisor. And now your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter. So today on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast, I'm just so excited uh, to be able to interview Sarah Fellow from Finland. And she uh, has worked uh, a lot in the areas of prevention and working with mothers when they're pregnant and working with their mothers soon after their babies are born. One of the things that I think is so important is that many of us who work from an attachment-based perspective clinically um, may be working with older children um, and not thinking as much about babies and even prenatal periods of time I think that work with babies related to attachment and toddlers um, has a lot available in research. But sometimes um, I meet therapists that would identify, I work from an attachment-based perspective, but they're really not thinking about um, pregnancy and babies. They're, They're thinking about working with older children. So I'm just Uh, really looking forward to this discussion. I first met Sara through the TheraPlate Institute. Um, She was presenting uh, about a coding system that has been developed by uh, both uh, Sara and some of her Finnish colleagues, a uh, coding system for the Marshak interaction method. Um, And so they have come up with a system of that and have found um, reliability across coders and um, a more precise way of rating the MIM than the way that we teach uh, when we teach the MIM as part of TheraPlay training. Uh, So I I look forward to this discussion and I know folks are really, really going to enjoy it. Well, hello everyone. I am here today on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast with Sara Salo from Finland. And we are going to be speaking with her about the importance of the state of mind of the mother during pregnancy and how that relates to attachment and also some groups that she has done with pregnant women and I'm so excited to have you here, Sara. So please tell people a little bit about your background and then maybe how you got interested in this specific area. Well, thank you, Karen, for being invited. 
my name is yes, Sarah Sowen. I'm a clinical psychologist. Uh, also, I'm a licensed psychotherapist, working with families and working with parents and infants. And I guess my interest in working with pregnant women started long ago, very long ago when I was pregnant myself <laughs> with my firstborn child. And I started to look for uh, materials written in psychological literature about attachment in pregnancy, and I didn't find that much, actually. Mm-hmm. So I think already during then I was thinking both personally at the time but later on professionally how important the, the pregnancy really is for the attachment bond. It really starts already during pregnancy and, and I really wanted to work with that clinically. I wanted to do research and, and ever since I started working again, we, I really went there to try to find out about ways to explore the issue more and also, of course, how to improve the attachment, the bond. Right, right. And also I know that you then even delved further into how maternal depression prenatally impacts this, which I think is another area where we think about that afterwards, is mom depressed and not interacting with the baby in a way that might be optimal um, but even thinking about that during pregnancy, what what were some of your thoughts about that as you delved into that? Well, you're right, Karen. Uh, it's really kind of an established fact now. It wasn't five years ago, but now it is. The prenatal depression is it's actually more common than postnatal depression. And we know we really have a vast amount of empirics showing that the prenatal depression affects both the development of the fetus, certainly there are the physiological effects like the lowered, the heightened level of cortisol and so forth, but also the psychological process of bonding to the child, which again then you can see in the difficulties in the early parent-child interaction. And when we look at children later on, even uh, when we try to control the effects of the postnatal depression, so because some parents don't end up being depressed postnatally, we can see that the effects of the prenatal depression per se are significant in terms of later child development. So we really know that that's an area you have to work. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... As you learned about this and you, you, you were having your own experience in pregnancy, your life experience, delving into the literature, then you decided, I guess, that you wanted to think of a potential intervention for this, yeah. this group. So, so tell us how, how that came about. I mean, that's a big undertaking to figure out, well, we know this, but now what can I do or what can we do? Well, I'm, I'm a certified therapist, so it was very natural uh, for me to start to think, how can we use these very emotional ways of relating to the child already during pregnancy? Because even nowadays, most work that we do with prenatally depressed women, it's about lowering um, their depression 
okay, this is important, I agree. However, we know that that's not enough. Even when we get the depression reduced, it, it doesn't translate necessarily into better relationship with the child. This we know from psychotherapeutic research. So, so I was curious, can we work directly with the relational issues? Can we, of course, we need to deal with the acute depression, okay. for sure. Mm-hmm. But how do we work with the relationship? The child is not yet there. All right, so we work psychotherapeutically, right? So we talk to the parents, we make them mentalize about the baby. This is hugely important work. This is actually what we do also nowadays in my project. But I really wanted to direct emotional contact also to be involved in the process. So we started using something uh, that's been developed in the uh, therapy world a long time ago, a method called the prenatal MIM, which is a video-based tool where we ask the parents to interact with their tummy babies using small tasks like uh, play a musical instrument to your tummy baby, sing to your child, talk to your child. So really directly asking, asking them to contact with the tummy babies. And we, we just, first of all, we noticed it's hugely effective. Yes. Parents really, really influenced by these tasks. Yes. So we did that, and then we started using these similar kinds of tasks in group sessions. Okay. So we kind of draw them from the MIM, and then we went into more into the TheraPlay format way of working, which means that we really work with the parents in a group, and we ask them to do things with the babies. And we play with the babies, and we speak to the babies. Uh, this is basically what we've been doing and uh, also studying whether yes. it is it. Yes, well, and I guess for those listening, we should say at MIM stands for Marshak Interaction Method, named after Marianne Marshak, who developed it. Um, I remember early on learning about the prenatal MIM and... Um, people, there wasn't a lot that I saw that had been done with it, but one thing was with um, drug and alcohol abuse with mothers, and that using this decreased their amount of usage, you know, in in a way that I suppose makes them realize this baby is a real separate person, you know, tell, tell, well, why, why, why does this make a difference with these mothers, and, and that and tell a little bit, like, how do you, when you say in the groups that they play, um, you know, how does that look with a, a child that's not yet born? Yeah. So, well, what we really do, it's, it's really stroking the tummy and singing to the baby and talking to the baby. But, I, but you're right, Karen. I think it's about uh, awakening uh, the image of the child in the maternal mind, like that the child is really a concrete human about mentalizing the child. And I think uh, in itself, kind of this emotional way of starting to really internalize that there is a human being in me, also uh, it, it influences the feelings. So the mothers become more attached to these real human beings they are carrying. This is kind of the way I, I think about our work. And 
Yeah, I think that, that we can really see that in our group. So mothers start to also talk more about their babies. They start to dream more about the future. I love the word reverie, you know, the positive dreaming. Yes. Yeah. So I, I really think that it's it's influencing the attachment, especially kind of the metacognitive part of the attachment, thinking about the actual relationship. Yes. I, and I know that journaling was sometimes a part of this. Is that um, where you learned about the dreams or, or how was that brought into the data you were collecting, so to speak? Yeah, so I think it's important to use kind of various tools. So one part is the online emotional connecting to the baby. But I think the other part... We use the journals for collecting dreams or maybe poems they read, but also reflecting back onto their own attachment histories. Ah, yes, so So important. That's hugely important, and I think during pregnancy, especially during the first trimester, it's expected that we bring our ghosts or we bring our angels from our nurseries, so our own attachment issues are really... They are surfacing, so we gave room to for that for the mothers. So we talked about their mothers and about their caretaking experiences, about their fathers and bad things, good things. I think we tried to focus also on the protective factors, kind of uh, on those experiences that they really felt nurturing. Yes. But certainly, many of the moms, depressed moms, come into our nurture play groups. They also bring their own very sad attachment histories mm-hmm. to the. So, mothers often also wrote stories in their journals about these issues. Yes, and we share them to some level. Yes. In the, yeah. And the idea of a group format, I think, is so powerful. I know that with uh, group attachment-based intervention, Gabby, which is a model that the Steels have developed and are doing research on, they've talked about how isolated sometimes these folks are. And seeing them one-on-one does not really address that. I'm interested in how the group connected to decrease that social isolation just with each other. What was that like? I think that's very important part why our intervention was effective. When we looked at the results at the end, I think when you're becoming a parent, and this was a group for moms, so when you're becoming a mom with an insecure attachment background, you have difficulties in actually relating with other people. Yes. And motherhood is about joint parenting also. Becoming a mother, is it is a kind of a group process. You're joining the group of you know, universal moms, or what, how do you want to say that? So I think the mothers really benefited from being in a group. Not only, not only the kind of the peer group support, there was the element, of course, hearing from the other mothers in the same situation, but they also really helped it. They really helped each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, and perhaps they could even share insights with each other that they were noticing that would be received differently than if the the expert or whoever was 
was pointing something out. I don't know. Yes. So, well, how long did the groups go on? Yeah, so we start, started, and we still start about so pregnancy week 26. Okay. Continue uh, uh, when about pregnancy week 35. And then there is a pause, preparing for childbirth and so forth. And then there is a home visit. But that's done individually. So, so the group leaders go into the homes, mm-hmm. also with the fathers. And the baby groups which is a continuum for the... the Yes, I want to hear more about that, too. Yeah, so so that starts when the babies are about two months. So with the same group. Okay. And they go on when the babies are about eight or nine months old. All right, so we've got this group that's pregnant when you start. You have the things that you do with them prenatally. They then have their babies, and then a continuation of the program called Nurture and Play Baby Groups, goes on. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And so what what are some of the things, highlights that you would share from once these women have their babies and you're in the second phase with the nurture and play groups? Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think one of the very, very astonishing factors for us was none of them quit. And they all wanted to continue, and and they were really women in sometimes difficult life situations. And you know, we they it's very common that they drop out from programs. Yes, they never do. They they want to come, and I think that's the peer group effect. Yes, also. that's wonderful. Yeah. That's that's good for them, and it's also good for your research, right? Yeah, certainly. Yes. <laughs> we didn't have dropouts, so they were very committed. Um, I like the baby groups. It's it's fun. It's really wonderful to have the actual babies there. I, the rhythm the rhythm is a little bit different in the baby group. So then we first have this very intensive therapy type of um, activity sequence in the beginning, and then the babies they can play. They can be in the same room. They are actually very much connecting with each other, and then we have the more reflective part with the parents, okay. where we again we use homework, we use uh, mentalizing tasks, so we use the attachment mentalizing framework. So it, it is structured. Yeah. Uh, also the part. So the, some uh, of the beginning part where you're doing the play and that intensive therapy, play, like what are some actual activities that the mothers and babies might be doing? Well, depending a little bit on the child's age, but yeah. we do peekaboo, we do singing, we do these rhythmic singing movement types of uh, uh, play activities with the children, soap bubbles, uh, playing the musical instrument again, I think that's it. Yes. Yes. All those important things that we know go into attachment, eye contact, rhythm, movement, all of that. Well, certainly the touch. Yes. Because with depressed moms, we know that they often uh, don't use that much touch. So we do a lot of baby massaging. We do a lot of prints of the baby's hands or feet. We do mom's hands multiple times during the whole nurture and play process. So we're really activating the touch. Ah, uh, yes, of course, the most important um, part. Yeah. Um, 
And so then when you transition in the group to the more mentalization kinds of things, are the babies still there then or? All the, all the time. So all it's the time. very using the actual things we see right there and now. What is your baby thinking right now? What do you think your baby is feeling there? So it's very like mentalizing the moment rather than going back. Rather than going forward. The moment. So a little bit like the speaking for the baby yes. project. Yes. That would be very similar. Yes. And, and certainly because this is a depressed group, we do always the checkup on depression. So we use actually cognitive methods too, like just checking upon the mood, sleeping, eating patterns, things like that. Yes. So they continue with you you have this not just a low dropout rate a zero <laughs> dropout rate so then what happens after the group is over i would imagine that this is a you know a real loss for the moms um how how does that go well in our research program and now we're not doing any more research we're just running the groups with of course, with the research group, we did, again, home visits and we did the post uh, measurements. Uh, but with all moms, we do individual checkup, what's needed after the group. Oh, so, so some of them are guided to the family guidance center. Some of them actually went to uh, infant psychiatry units to have some more f further work to, to be done with them. We had some other kinds of groups we had we guided them so we did a checkup but not all of them needed anything many of the moms kept contact with each other mm. after the groups just by themselves with the, and that's certainly something that you would hope for building natural resources into their life with these relationships you're right yeah 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 wow i'm so inspired i want to go start a group <laughs> So has this been um, replicated by others in Finland? I know I connected you with um, a person, a gentleman I was supervising in TheraPlay in Copenhagen because he wanted to, to start something with, with pregnant, pregnant mothers-to-be. Um, um, so has this spread out anywhere else that you're aware of? Yeah, we've been to Norway to do a couple of trainings. Uh, we've been to uh, the Netherlands, and I know people are starting their groups there. I know people are doing some something similar, not exactly the same model, but something similar in Denmark. And in Finland, it's really spreading out fast right now. So, so we have maybe a couple of hundred mental, uh, well, they're not all mental health personnel, but health personnel trained to do the groups. And it's really becoming kind of part of the system uh, when working with infants. And that's really good. That's fabulous. I admire you being in a smaller country <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you say yeah. that, because it's really hard to, in the United States to get anything in our system or take it out. It's just... Yeah, but um, so how long is the training program? I, ju I did just want to ask that as as we move towards wrapping up here. How long is the training program? Nurture and play group 
is they are meant to be prevention groups. So it's, it's, it's really not that long, the training. So it's about four days, plus you have to do two group processes, which we supervise. So it's really not that long. Uh, some of the people have longer trainings, like play trainings, other psychotherapeutic models, but not all. So we have trained like well baby clinic nurses who can do the, the group together with, for example, a psychologist. So it's really meant to be a prevention type of work. Well, and that's really where it's at, right? It's, it's, it's much easier to intervene this early and, and try to change the outcome than much later. So, well, I am really excited to hear about this and share this with people listening to the podcast. And I'm, like I said, I, I can imagine um, how wonderful it would be to do a group like this. So, so thank you so much for, for sharing about this and, and explaining all of it to us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, TraumaAttachmentCenter.com, or subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our broadcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, log on to TraumaAttachmentCenter.com. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, developmental trauma, and attachment theory.